Good morning, Community Grace. It is good to be here, not with you, but here with you, with you in spirit. Uh, Today, after 12 sermons, we finish the book of Colossians today. And today, after nine weeks of online services, we prepare to regather next Sunday. I can hear the cheers. Now, as uh, in God's providence, these two facts, finishing Colossians, meeting together next week, fit and collide perfectly today. Let me explain. We have an amazing passage in God's Word to examine, the last passage in the book of Colossians. And we have some exciting details to to cover together about regathering together. We have a shorter sermon And a longer sermon title today. This is how we're going to pull it off. Go to the next slide. And we see the sermon title is What Gets Celebrated Gets Repeated, Finishing Colossians and Preparing to Regather Next Week. All right, that's the longest sermon title I think I've ever seen. Uh, But it's going to be a shorter sermon so that we can get to the second part of what what I have this morning. And that is uh, talk to the church family about all the details uh, that are involved in preparing to regather next week. So that's what we're in for this morning. Uh, say, say a quick prayer if you, um, if you haven't yet, and let's be ready to dig in. What gets celebrated gets repeated. Think about that. What gets celebrated, rewarded, acknowledged, gets repeated. You want to do it again. You want to do it more. That was a point that I drew out in a sermon in Colossians 2 back on March 8th because Paul modeled it often. Paul would write these great theological truths, these just mind-blowing things in Scripture, but every once in a while he would stop and just celebrate something that needed to be celebrated, something good that he saw, something um, he recognized in the people. And he modeled this whole concept of what what gets celebrated gets repeated. It's important to recognize things because he knew that if, if he did, people would feel compelled or inspired to do more of those good things. It's a, it's a human principle that God has instilled in the human race. I think one of the things that, that conditioned Paul in that area is that he was a Jew. And the nation of Israel throughout the entire Old Testament, what did they commonly do, regularly do, when something good happened that the, that the Lord provided for them? What did they do? They set up a memorial stone. Or they wrote it down and read it to the next generations. They built an altar. They were very good at remembering and celebrating the good things that God did for them and through them and with them. So they were very good at that. And that is a discipline for today as well. Every bit is needed by God's people as it was back then. Some call it today the spiritual discipline of remembering. It's a spiritual discipline to remember what God has done. And we need to do that. We must do it. It leads us as God's people to worship God and to thank Him for what He's done. And more than just that, to trust Him in an uncertain future when we remember all that He's done. Indeed, God made it human nature that what gets celebrated gets repeated. So I just want to begin today just with a few We could spend all day celebrating, but just a few things that we have to celebrate that God has done in in this short year of 2020. 
a year that we'll never forget. But during the first couple months of the year, here at Community Grace, we celebrated seven baptisms. We, had, we began a fruitful Colossian series. We had good financial footing for the future. And I was sensing momentum in virtually every part of the church, every ministry. It was on a good uh, path. And then coronavirus happened. And a lot of things kind of squealed to a halt, didn't they? But we started seeing God move right away. And we've seen a lot of things to celebrate in the last eight weeks, nine weeks. We saw God bring new talent back home from college to step up and serve the church. And they did. And some of those guys are here with me tonight. And I appreciate you very much. The whole church does. See, that's something that God made happen. And you guys responded. And our online services have been possible. We can celebrate that, that whole thing. The staff and the elders didn't slow down at all. Thanks to Zoom and other technologies, we just kept right on right on working and adapting. And the worship and tech teams, boy, they sped up to about 120 miles an hour. And I want to celebrate that and thank them for that. Now, for some out there, these, these last two months have been a season of rest. And that's been nice. That's been a gift. And a season of reflection of what's most important. I hope none of those opportunities were wasted for you. Celebrate that. For others, this has been a very hard season. And maybe you haven't seen at all the good that God may be working in this crisis situation. Maybe you haven't seen any of that good come out in your life yet. But that's why it's good to celebrate. That's why it's good to remember. Remember all the things that God has carried you through up until now. And it will help you trust that he's going to work even this out for good. Remember that he saved you, if you've trusted in him, from separation from him, from his condemnation, from his wrath for your own sin. He's wiped it all away. He took it on himself. And if that was all he did, that'd be more than we deserve. So remember that. And remember that he is the redeemer. This is what he does. And he will work in your lives even through now, through this moment. And turn it for good. You can trust him in that. Hang in there faithfully and close to him. Lots of other things we could celebrate. Things that the church has been able to do. I've seen the care that we've given to each other. The care that we've given to the community. The yard signs and the Facebook activity. I know of at least five people from the community that have asked the church for prayer as a result of those things. Praise God for that and, and, and we celebrate those things. We celebrate all the phone calls that have been happening. All the extra prayers the united staff that we have, the small groups, that didn't, most of which didn't miss a beat. They just met on Zoom and, and actually enjoyed it and, and have grown out of that. Our youth group has reported a lot of good things. And on and on we could go. Let's just take a moment to recognize what God has done through these last couple months that have been just wild and unprecedented in our lifetime. Let's just praise him and celebrate him. Go ahead and clap if you want to right there wherever you are, and we'll celebrate. Now, the Apostle Paul does this very thing as he closes the book of Colossians. This is a really neat way that he closes this letter, and we have a lot to glean out of it as we look in the text today. Our text is Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. 
final greetings. And Paul recognizes, he celebrates the people that he's worked with. He celebrates the great ways that God has used them. And we get a firsthand look by looking at what he celebrates at the kind of characteristics in our own lives that are worth celebrating and repeating. So we see kind of two things there. We see the value of celebrating in the first place, but then we get a a real close look at the kinds of characteristics in our lives that are worth celebrating and worth repeating. So let's look at what he has in Scripture. And there are I I have categorized them in five D words so that they stick. Okay, so let's go through these five D words and see how well they stick. For God to bless me by making me more like Christ and to use me, there are five characteristics that I need in my life that are worthy of celebrating. And when we pursue these five, God celebrates them. So that's what we're going to look at. The first one, God celebrates when I am dependable. There's our first D word, when I am dependable. Let's look at what Paul says in verses 7 through 9 as he closes this letter. He writes, Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So what a neat way to to start the end of his letter here. He talks about these two guys first, Tychicus and Onesimus. These guys are fascinating. Do you recognize those names? Here's where they're found elsewhere in the Bible. Tychicus traveled with Paul during his third missionary church planting journey. He was a faithful companion. He stood by Paul in some very tough and life-threatening situations. He was with Paul. Onesimus, you might remember, was the fugitive. He was the runaway, runaway slave that the book of Philemon is all about. Paul led him to Christ as he was running um, away. Here's what Paul says about these two guys, Tychicus and Onesimus. Look again. They are beloved brothers. Military soldiers probably know and experience this kind of thing almost more than anybody else in the world, this becoming a band of brothers. The Band of Brothers was a popular TV show some years ago. And Christians, here's a picture of the TV show. And I like that visual. I never actually watched the show, but I heard a lot of good things, you know, that it was pretty accurate or or whatever, and it was really powerful. Uh, But I've known a lot of military personnel in my life. And they all share this camaraderie of being willing to die for each other. There's no bond like that. And I'll tell you, Christians need to have that exact same thing for each other. And that's what these guys had with Paul. This camaraderie, this love for each other, this dependability to be there for each other no matter what, when we need it. Look how much it meant to Paul. Look how profitable it was for his life to have these guys by his side when everything else seems to go wrong or be against you. He was in chains in prison when he wrote this letter. and These guys were standing with him through all that happened. They wouldn't leave him. Let's look at these verses again. These guys are dependable, and they're dependable in ministry. Look at these descriptions. Faithful minister, beloved brother, fellow servant, faithful and beloved brother. You know, Paul didn't have to write this to the Colossians. 
He didn't, he didn't have to write this part, but he chose to because he's sharing how important this was, how great it was, how thrilled he was to have these guys in his life and how valuable they are to the church as well. And because it's worth celebrating and worth repeating, there's a great quote that says, the greatest ability is dependability. Try to, try, to, try to remember that. The greatest ability of all your abilities is dependability. Can people depend on you? Oh, I certainly hope so. If we're Christians and Christ followers, this needs to be one of our characteristics. Are you a, a, a dependable, faithful family member? Or a student? Or a worker? Or a boss? Or a boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife? Is that a characteristic that people would say about you? It needs to be, and as we become a dependable person, God will celebrate that. Second, as we move on in the text, it doesn't go very far until we get to the next one. Number two is, God celebrates when I am dedicated. Look at verse 10, the first part of it. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And I love the word dedicated here because it kind of takes it to the next level. Look at Aristarchus. What do we know from him? The Bible talks more about him as well. But fellow prisoner is the key here. The word used for fellow prisoner refers to a prisoner of war, and that's exactly what Aristarchus was to his brother Paul. They were fellow prisoners of war. What does Paul recognize about this man? That he and Paul were taken captive together as they sat in jail in the battle for the gospel. They were arrested and thrown in prison for preaching the gospel together. But more than that, in Acts chapter 19, we see Aristarchus dragged into the theater by the mob. In Acts 27, we see him on the ship that Paul was shipwrecked at sea because they were arrested and put on this boat. And here he's been jailed for preaching the gospel with Paul. And you know what tradition says is that he was there and got beheaded with Paul by the emperor Nero. He was dedicated no matter what. Here's what that looks like, Christ followers. Through thick and thin, through rich and poor in times of need, through peace or conflict, right through conflict, it doesn't matter. Christ's people are dedicated to each other, to God, to the work that he's given us, to our families, to building up the church. Become that person who's known as being dedicated to God and his church, and God will celebrate that. Paul moves on from there to number three. God celebrates when I am diligent. He starts with dependable. He goes to dedicated. And now I am diligent. Let's look at who he recognizes here. Again, verse 10 and 11. He says, And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. We'll talk about Mark in a second. But then he says, And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. The key word that Paul's focusing on here is fellow workers. 
And that has the sense of working together to accomplish a purpose, to completion. That's what these guys are being called, being recognized as. And that something that they're working to accomplish is the work of Christ's kingdom. Being diligent takes the first two being dependable and dedicated to the next level. Being dependable, being dedicated, and then being diligent means you actually are doing the work. This is where the rubber meets the road. Are you characterized by not just having good ideas, but actually doing the work diligently that's required on building Christ's kingdom, the gospel? And note, and I love this note when you think about this, that Mark is the same man, John Mark, who had quit the ministry and walked out on Paul. Remember that in the book of Acts? If, you haven't, if you've never heard of that, yes, he was on the trips with them and he walked out. He deserted Paul and Paul was angry. Mark was a deserter. But look at what he says here now. He calls him a diligent, faithful fellow worker for the kingdom of God with him. And the significance of this, my friends, is to know that even quitters can be restored. Nobody's out of the realm, the possibility of being restored and being right back in the mission of God, right back in the center of God's will, restored to the church, to friendships, to relationships. Well, that's Mark, and he has taught us many things uh, as followers of Christ and the power of Christ in our lives. And when we are restored, when we are empowered, when we are diligent in doing the work, God celebrates that as he did right here through the Apostle Paul recording this in Scripture for us to read 2,000 years later and to follow. Again, that's how the Bible works. We look at this to know what we should follow. And that's what we should follow, being dependable people, dedicated people, diligent workers for Christ in this world. That's how Christ changes the world through us. But it doesn't stop there. Paul continues. Number four is God celebrates when I am determined. This is the next level. In verses 12 and 13, Paul celebrates Epaphras. Do you remember who Epaphras was? See if anybody in your room remembers. Who was Epaphras? Okay, you have to go back all the way to chapter 1 in Colossians. And remember, Epaphras was the Colossians' pastor. Remember that? Pastor Epaphras. And he was there with Paul in Rome at this time, right now. And so look how determined Epaphras was for his church, for these people. Determination is Epaphras' characteristic. Let's read verses 12 and 13, where Paul highlights this and celebrates this. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness. It's like Paul's like, I'm watching this guy. He's praying for you nonstop. He is determined. Listen, for I bear him witness. I've seen him that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Man, was Paul ever impressed by Epaphras, his determination for the Colossian church. Look again what he celebrates. He's a, he's a servant 
of Christ, who's always struggling on their behalf in his prayers. Remember last week, if you were here with us last week, we looked at the previous passage in which Paul gives what I saw was a three-part easy uh, strategy to reach the world for Christ. Remember those three parts? They were constant prayer, constant prayer, constant actions, and constant words. All right, that's all it takes is being constant, being determined. And here's the thing. That's what Paul celebrates in Epaphras, that he was praying constantly. He was so determined. I mean, that's all he could do from Rome for his people was pray for them. And so Paul is giving this report. He is doing step one of our strategy so incredibly well. And here's the thing. You can't do that strategy of constant anything. You can't be constant in anything without being determined. Determined to be faithful and constant. I'm going to constantly pray for the people in my life. I'm going to constantly do actions that show Christ to them and constantly tell words to them that tell them of the truth, that build them up to bring them to Christ, to bring Christ to them. So that's the importance of determination, and we need to be determined. And as we are determined as people, as families, as a church, God celebrates that, as we see here. Let's move right on to the last one, number five. We have dependable, dedicated, diligent, and determined, and there's one ultimate level over all of these. When we really, really put it in our heart and our soul, we are devoted, just devoted to God, to our Savior Jesus Christ, to the work that he's given us, to the joy that he offers the world through what he's done and through what we can do. Let's look at the last five verses. I'm I'm really going to focus on, on verses 14 and 15, but I'm just going to read the last five verses of the book of Colossians right now. Okay, this is putting uh, the end to our Colossians series, and we need to celebrate that. Uh, but here are the last five verses. Please listen uh, as I read them or follow along if your Bible is open. Here's how he closes the book. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, one last shout out, say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, Write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Great way to end the letter. But let's go back to verses 14 and 15 where he celebrates some devoted people. First is Luke, Paul's beloved friend, and a doctor, Dr. Luke, the author of the two largest books in the New Testament, the Gospel account of Luke and the book of Acts. That's who we're talking about. He became a devoted Christian and a devoted traveler and companion of Paul's during his journeys. We see Luke pop up a number of times. And you know what hit me? What a blessing. What a blessing from God for Paul and all of his journeys with all the beatings that he had and the scourgings that he had and all of these stonings that he had, and the illnesses that he had, and the shipwrecks that he had. 
What a blessing from God that your faithful companion, best friend, buddy, is a doctor all along the way. Right? What a, what a provision from God to have somebody like that by your side. And brothers and sisters who are devoted to Christ, you can be that same kind of companion no matter what your skill or your training or your gifts, what you're good at. God uses all of us, no matter what it is. You may not think that you have much to offer, but we're all, God says, in his economy, equally valuable parts of the team, of the body. And he will use you just the way he used Luke as such a vital person in this ministry. You may have training in medical areas or construction or videography. I'm looking at our videographers up there. How critical have they been? How much have they contributed to the gospel, to the church? You may be skilled at just driving a car or serving in a ministry or counseling people or mentoring people or cooking. Well, the church loves the cooks out there. You're contributing. And here's what God is calling you today is to be devoted to him, devoted to use what he's given you for his purposes. And when we do, God celebrates it. Well, I'm just going to look at one more real quick. I, I mentioned the name Nympha and the church in her house. I just want to give a shout out to one last group of people, and that's all the faithful people who are leading small groups or hosting small groups, having smaller groups at your home. And that is an extremely valuable contribution to the church. You see, here's a fact, and that is that any church that's bigger than a house church is automatically too large to provide the personal care and relationship and discipleship and mentorship and community and fellowship uh, that's Christianity uh, without these smaller communities. We just can't, you know, if all we have is the Sunday morning worship service, it's just not long enough and personal enough that you know, that for, some, for you to know that somebody knows you and cares about you. Now they do, you just need to be in an environment where, that Jesus already established in his church. And so people who lead and host these small groups, uh, there's a reason that Paul celebrates that, and I want to celebrate that every bit as much as Paul and thank you. And we want to grow that area at Community Grace until everybody's in that kind of a fellowship here. Because that is Christianity. So I celebrate all of these things, and we can too. So that is the conclusion of the book of Colossians. And now, God has called this church, as we close the book of Colossians, He's called this church and many other churches to a place that we've never been before. Do you understand that? We're about to regather in our worship services starting next Sunday in what will become the new normal of the human race. We, it's a radical new world that we're entering. We've never been here, but, but again, remember, if he's got us through the last two months... Do we have any reason to doubt that he's going to get us through next week and the next weeks and the new future? Of course not. We've just been remembering and celebrating for this very reason, so we'll trust him fully. So this is a call to know what the new normal is, know your part in it, know what God's calling us to do as a church and as individuals in it. 
Some of us will fulfill those callings here on campus, and others will fulfill your callings from remote. And there's lots of ways to be involved with the ministry of the church, with serving Christ, even if you can't gather. But whatever he is about to call you to do and me to do, we need to do it and be dependable, dedicated, diligent, determined, and devoted to God. So to prepare everybody, we need to talk about what is ahead. Over the last few weeks, and especially after Governor Holcomb revealed Indiana's back-on-track plan for reopening the economy, our church's leadership, with a lot of input from many of you in the church, has been preparing for this very moment, and the moment has arrived. The governor's plan, if you're not familiar, has five stages, and stage three begins next week, May 24th. Now, churches were permitted to regather as of last Sunday, May 10th, uh, but that was such a sudden announcement, and our church just simply wasn't ready to to turn that around and, and regather last Sunday. Plus, some important technology equipment has been on back order, and we're praying that that comes in. A whole lot of logistic work need to be done uh, so that we are above reproach and meeting every expectation. And I'm happy to discuss with you right now Community Grace's preparations and the plans that we are rolling out, and they need to be communicated, and you need to be involved in them and participate in them, support them and pray for them. And I'm going to tell you exactly how. So earlier this week, I sent a letter uh, through email uh, we did mail some of them if we don't have your email address, so if, if that's you, please share your email with, with us if, if you're okay with that. But I'm going to take a few minutes right now and read this letter, because some of you might not have received it that are watching here today, and all of you need to hear the heart behind it, and I have a couple extra comments to make. So here we go. This will answer a lot of questions. It'll raise some new questions, too. Send those in. Dear Community Grace family, This is an exciting letter to send to you today. As we announced last Sunday, and according to the Indiana Governor's Guidelines, our plan is to regather for worship services starting Sunday, May 24th. The staff, elders, and ministry leaders have been preparing for this for weeks. We had a very fruitful logistics team meeting last Saturday morning. Ministries are preparing. New teams and leaders are being established, and they are crafting detailed plans right now. We understand that many may not feel ready to come back on Sundays, and that is completely okay. We recognize that many have underlying health concerns that may put them in a higher risk group, or they may just want to be cautious. Be assured that our teams poured out much time and resources into our online ministry over the last couple months with a long-term vision in mind, and thus we will continue to broadcast our worship services indefinitely. We're never going to stop, as far as you know, we know, unless the world stops, broadcasting these so everyone in this church family can remain connected and able to participate. Smaller groups can enjoy gathering in homes to watch together, uh, just like Nympha. We want to celebrate that. And maybe more than ever, you should really consider joining a small group if you're not currently in one. But for those who can gather... Here are the teams and the plans that we are putting into place for Sunday worship services. And note, we need volunteers to serve on these teams. Please sign up to join one of these teams that I'm about to mention 
through our website. Just click COVID Reopen Volunteer, which is right at the top of the resources page. Very easy to find, and you can sign up for any of these teams. We need volunteers for reopening, so please consider that as I read through these teams. Team number one is the greeter, usher team, the logistics team. This is led by Chris Rager and Aaron Turner. Ben Tucker is also stepping forward to lead greeters during this time. As you can see with these two pictures, our meeting spaces will be in the worship center and in the fellowship hall, which with social distancing by family units, according to the governor's guidelines, can fit approximately 138 people in this room and another 70 people in the fellowship hall. So it appears that we have ample room for one service, but we are willing to add a second service if and as necessary. We will have two entrances open, just two entrances, the main entrance here and the fellowship hall entrance. And this team needs approximately eight to 10 greeters for our flow of people. We need two to four to welcome people outside and, exp- and explain what to expect. Okay, so you're going to see those greeters outside next Sunday, and they'll welcome you and tell you a little bit about what to expect. We need another two to four greeters inside the main entrance, ready to give direction and answer questions and clear bottlenecking. And we do ask for, if you see a bottleneck forming, to disperse into the larger areas. There's lots of those. And the greeters will then send you into the worship center space, and the ushers will be ready to move these chairs around to fit your family unit. So be courteous, be patient with them. We're going to see how this works on the first week. Uh, They'll be hopping and moving. It's going to be a great time. Uh, Please be respectful and, and a joy to them as they're trying so hard to get you comfortable and seated. Thanks to all who will participate on this team. Uh, they, they could use some more volunteers. So get on that website and sign up for it. Team two is the sanitizing team, which has all of a sudden been elevated to like one of the most important teams in the entire church, all of a sudden. The sanitizing team. And if this is something you like to be a part of, please listen. Tammy Boggs will lead this team in partnership with our custodians. Uh, this team's going to do all the extra stuff demanded right now to sanitize. Tammy will ensure that the proper and adequate supplies are on hand are on Sundays. The bulk of this team's labors will be before and after all meetings at the church. They will schedule at least one person cleaning the doorknobs, railings during the services. She will need several volunteers. And I just want to say thank you to Tammy and our custodians and everyone who will join this team. Team three, children's ministry team. Paul Hostetter and his leadership team already have a great staff and a solid plan in the making. Sunday school and Wednesday children's ministries will not return to normal for the time being. Okay, so you don't need to worry about the Sunday school hour or the Wednesday night services uh, ministry for the time being. However, a few important dates, events are being scheduled right now. So watch for communication from Paul and on our website and Facebook. For worship services, here's what you need to know. Parents are asked to keep their kids with them which I'm a big fan of anyway, family discipleship, family worship is right, unless that's just not possible. We we can accommodate that too. Smaller kids may be checked in, if desired, at the normal place, the kid check area, and they'll be cared for in a safe, sterilized environment with two adults for every group of five or less children. This is such a great plan. But they need a few volunteers to pull it off. 
Will you hop on and sign up or tell Paul, I'm ready to volunteer and serve in this important way? Please do, if that's you. And finally, the signage and communication. Uh, This isn't really a team. Our staff is working on meticulously communicating so, so clearly and well, putting signs up everywhere that will guide and and, uh, communicate everything that we're doing, all the guidelines that are to be kept. So, but let me ask you, church family, please share the load of communicating and encouraging all the guidelines to be kept, okay? That's something we can all share. And also, please let me or the staff or the elders know if any other communication is missing or if you have any other ideas that will help at any time. Those are the four teams. Here are several other important things that you should know. It will be different than what you're accustomed to, and that is okay. The church in every period of history, in every part of the world, has had to adapt, often a lot. This is our time. This is the nature of God's calling for his people, and we can excel at that change right now. This is our time. Families, families, a special note to this, we are making the fellowship hall an extra attractive and extra family-friendly worship space. So you might prefer to check that out first when you get here. Uh, Families, bring your own coffee. The coffee stop will not be open at this time. If you have symptoms of sickness, please stay home. Please sanitize your hands as you enter the building. And if you can donate an extra bottle of sanitizer, that would be appreciated. Those things are hard to get. Bring them in. We can't have too many. Feel free to wear a mask if you feel more comfortable wearing one. Okay? Feel free. No problem. Masks will be worn by greeters, ushers, and children's workers when they are actively serving, with the possible exception of with small children who may be frightened by them. This is a real concern that that we've been told of and, and are addressing. Please avoid physical contact with other people while in the building, except maybe elbow bumps. But I tell you, air hugs and air high fives are going to be the thing for a little while, okay? That's going to be the, the fun new normal. So let's make the most of air hugs and air high fives and elbow bumps. Bulletins, pens, and communication cards, rather than being handed out, will be placed on the seats waiting for you. And a special note about the communication cards. The communication cards, this is one of the reasons I'm so happy to be back again, is to be in this kind of communication with the entire church body. Okay, the the point of the communication cards is that everyone fills one out every week. And here's why. These cards are a primary way that our church body can stay in touch with each other, can stay in prayer for each other, and to respond how God is moving you each week. Because God does, listen to this, God does move here each and every week in us. But without a record, we often forget about the experience and lose that opportunity, don't we? As soon as we walk out the door, our hope is to eliminate that and have a record. And don't forget how the Spirit moved you. So please fill out a communication card every week. Next, offering plates will not be passed, but praise God, we already had boxes on the walls already for communication cards and offerings, so please use those. They're easy to find. 
Note also that we have one week left in our three-week COVID-19 giving opportunity. Thank you to all that have given so far. I just was told that the total given so far to three amazing opportunities in areas of need. Uh, we sent a letter, and it's, I actually attached it again with this letter, and it's available on the website. We've had $3,300 come in so far uh, just after announcing it and rolling it out. Our goal, our goal is in need is seven dollars to $10,000, so please keep giving to that. That's above and beyond, only if God um, leads you to give joyfully to that. When the service ends next Sunday, please spread out across the campus for visiting with each other in a safe social distancing manner. We have lots of spaces, so please spread out after the service. Pray for our leadership. Pray for the unity and the maturity and the care and the mission of our body and for God to be glorified through us. We know how. Now we just need to obey in Him and do it. Finally, we will be vigilant in our efforts to follow all the regulations set forth by our governor and even exceed them. And we will do our very best to keep our building healthy. We are always ready to make necessary changes in light of new information that continues to come. Be assured of all this. Final words on this letter are, we know that this is all so different. The goal of it all is that we can continue to meet without causing an outbreak while living with full trust in God and making Jesus look beautiful. That's our goal. Again, please participate committedly by praying for all of the above and all that is ahead, and if you are able, by serving in the areas where you sense that God would have you serve at this time of need and opportunity. And one final announcement for you before this letter closes. As we have just ended our Colossians Christ Greater Than All series, we are excited to announce what comes next. On May 24th, next week, the Sunday that we return to gathering, we will launch a new eight-week series called Seasons of Renewal, Walking with God Through the Psalms. And I'll tell you, this was not what we had planned originally. God changed our plans, and we rolled along with him in that. And I am thrilled with what we have in store. Journeying through Psalms for eight weeks. Just absolutely thrilled. I will be there to greet you with an air hug and to lead the service next week. But Sean Mason has the distinct privilege to kick off this series with a message titled, Fear, the Beginning of Wisdom, from Psalm 111. So be ready for God to enter your unique personal season to carry us through and use us mightily in this radically new global season ahead. That's what we have to look forward to over the next eight weeks. All for His glory. And our joy, Pastor Reg and Community Grace Elders. And brothers and sisters, as I close right now, before I pray and turn it back over to the worship team, my hope is that Community Grace is known. As Jesus said, all people will know that we are his disciples by what? By our love for one another. 
That means, let me be specific and clear, that means no gossip. It means no talking behind people's backs. It means no defaming leaders behind their backs. Come and talk to the leaders if you have any ideas or criticisms. That's fine. Come talk. No beating up on those who see things differently than you because everyone sees things a little bit differently or a lot differently right now. We act like Christ. Let's be good stewards. Let's be good teammates. We all have a role to play on this team. What part does each of us play? Let's be patient in it all. Let's exude joy in it all. Who are we? We are alive in Christ. Who are we in Christ? Let's exude joy. Let's use wisdom. Let's fear God, which is the beginning of all wisdom. Not fear man, not fear death, fear God in a holy reverence to him. Let's refuse to complain. Okay, refuse to complain. But again, feedback is helpful. So please, share your feedback. Let's find the blessings in this journey because they're there. Let's find the blessings in this journey. And let's be thankful, as Paul told us so many times in Colossians, over and over. And be thankful. Be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for as children of God. So let's close and thank God right now for all of this as we close. Lord God, I just want to come to you. I'm so thrilled that this room is going to be filled next week. But even in spite of that, the last nine weeks have been sweet, preaching to an empty room, almost empty room. It's been sweet. It's been sweet seeing your hand working in in all these ways on a big scale, on a church-wide scale, on a community scale, on family scales, and on individual levels. You've done things and are doing things that never could have been done without a crisis. God, you're sovereign and you're, you're majestic, you're concerned, and you're deeply involved in every little aspect of our lives. And we celebrate that. And we celebrate the faithfulness of people and the fruitfulness that you grant and the obedience that, that people have had. And we want to see more of that. We celebrate confession and Salvation and baptism and restoration. Because we saw what we want to see more of that. Uh, So Lord, I ask that you'll bless this church and our future with all of those things, with our eyes fixed on you and a celebration of who we are together as a team, as a body. We look forward to next week. I pray that you'll bring forward all the ministry that needs to be done out there so nothing gets swept under the rug. Lord, pray that we'll be ready for that task and to meet that ministry. Lord, we pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and friend and God. Amen.